welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, co-hosted by yours truly, Kate Richardson and Megan Pachecki. We're two registered dietitians here to make your life easier by debunking diet myths, sharing scientific information about nutrition, and keeping you motivated to reach your goals. We want to teach you everything we know by giving you real life examples of how we've helped our combined thousands of clients transform their lives, lose weight, and get healthy without having to go on another cookie cutter diet. On this podcast, we'll be giving you our best advice, strategies, and mindset shifts so you too can reach your goals using food and most importantly, enjoy the process. Hey, it's still me. It doesn't sound like me. But this is Megan. (laughs) And this is Kate sounding like my usual self. So we just went to a hot yoga class. Kate has been talking about hot yoga all the time. And prior to today, I think I'd been to like one hot yoga class and it was an absolute nightmare. And Kate was like, no, you should really go with me. And so she convinced me to. And I went and guess what? It was freaking awesome. Yes. Yeah, I basically work for big yoga. I feel like I talk about it so much. But the studio I go to, I think that's the thing. Like, it's like with any gym or workout class. If you go to a place that just doesn't fit your energy, you might hate it when you could really like it somewhere else. This place was cool. I, I like, if you're local to Orlando, I go to Warrior One Yoga in the Orlando location. And the best way I can describe it as it's it's just very granola. It's very like earth, new age yoga. It isn't just the basic, you know, flows that you would find. It may be like a free yoga class if you're a beginner. It's very interesting. And it's, um, how would you say this? I, I feel like it, it's not like a church service, but there's a lot of narration going on by the instructor that I guess you could classify as spiritual, but I don't want to say that because I don't want to scare someone away and think it's like, you know, anti-religious. Yeah, the way you described it, I would not go to that. Yeah. The way like the way you just described it, I'm like, nope, I'm running, I'm running yeah. the other direction, just because that's just not my jam. Um, it's like motivation while you're doing well, it. The, the the thing that I thought when we left was that. I think the instructor used to be like a Southern Baptist preacher back in the day because her the, the cadence of how she talked. But it wasn't anything that was too woo-woo, get your crystals out and pray over them or anything no. like that. It was just like, bitches, you are here and I'm proud of you and just be in your brain right now. Mm-hmm. I would not have had fun had I never done yoga before because mm-hmm. they do just like announce the poses and then you kind of just do it. But I loved that they didn't force it to be a 101 like most of the yogas that you go to and you move so slow and they explain every single thing. And this was just kind of like, if you know what you're doing, do it. If you don't, just try something Mm -hmm. and no one is looking at you because you're all kind of facing the wall, which is cool. Exactly. Yeah, I think it was you're here, show up, do your best, do something. There wasn't a play-by-play of instruction. There was just enough instruction to help you keep moving or keep flowing forward, but not like right foot forward, left leg up. You could just sort of move intuitively uh, as they named the poses. So I'm glad that you are into yoga. Maybe you'll go with me more often. Yeah. So I I think the good thing about this one was 
sometimes you go to yoga for different reasons like mm-hmm. sometimes you want to go to yoga because you want to get a good stretch sometimes you want to go to yoga because your brain just needs to quiet down sometimes you go to yoga because you want to sweat and get a good workout in. I think this is a perfect balance mm-hmm. of both of those things I was sweating my butt off my muscles were shaking and then we got a good stretch kind of mind body awareness in mm-hmm. at the end and that's kind of what I always want mm-hmm. out of going to yoga the balance yeah we went to a half and half class and if you're interested in yoga if it's something that's been on your mind about trying there are a few different classes of yoga I'm no expert but I think a lot of them can be grouped into two different categories one would be more of a power yoga and one would be more of a yin or a deep stretch slow and flow type yoga so the one we did today was in a heated room and it was half power, half yin, deep stretch. But there's classes where you can do all deep stretching, all hot power. I think most of them still end with, you know, stretching. But yin means you really hold the deep stretches for at least a minute. So you get into those muscles and you can really breathe your way through, which is a mental challenge in a totally different way. So that's what I'll say about yoga. I think it's awesome. It's mentally challenging, physically challenging. And if you find the right studio or instructor... I think it's a great experience. I've been to probably 50 different mm-hmm. yoga studios in my day of all the places I've lived and places, you know, different instructors and all of that. And there are so many that I've hated. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you've been to yoga once and you hated it, that is not all yoga. Mm-hmm. Like, try something else. Try a different instructor. Try a different studio. Try a different type of yeah. class yeah. if you haven't been into it before. If you're in Orlando, Warrior One, again, is where we <laughs> went. So... But we're not talking about yoga we're today. Not, this we're, is not a yoga podcast. <laughs> we're about to do a 180, and we're talking about the blood type diet, which I think is one of the most ridiculous diets that is also potentially most one of the most believable Dang, ones. Dang, that's like, I wanted to use this as our like New Year's resolution. Let's start the blood type diet. Oh, okay. What, what's your blood type? Do you know your blood type? I actually don't know my blood type. Really? Um, random fact here. I don't know if I told you this, but... I sent a saliva swab to be the match, which is a bone marrow transplant donor transplant recipient. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And apparently it's really, really rare for them to choose Caucasian females. There's usually about a two-year average wait period to be a donor, and they're really in need of minorities. But after about seven or eight months, I got an email that I've I could be a potential match. I'm still waiting to hear the call if they've Whoa. selected me. And I was talking to my friend who was a bone marrow transplant dietitian at the hospital here. Mm-hmm. And she thinks there must be some kind of genetic marker or something unique in my blood Ooh. that made me, I know, which is great for, you know, if I'm going to be a donor, but I don't have any siblings. So if I need a transplant one day, yeah, bro. But uh, yeah, so there might be something unique in my blood, oh, okay. but I don't know what kind of blood type I am. Okay. Um, I, I think the only reason I know is just because I gave blood before and then they give you like a little card that tells you where your blood type is. You're I think o? That was the first. Yeah. Oh. Are you O positive or negative? Is there a I difference? I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, I'd have to look at that little card. All I remember is that it's O. But so basically for this blood type diet, you do have to know your mm-hmm. blood type. So that's step one. If you don't know yeah. your blood type, you're going to have to go donate blood. The good news is I'm not going to do this diet. So I'll just <laughs> cheer you on from the sidelines. I'm, just, I'm not actually going to do it. So let's kind of go through. So basically this, I'm not going to call him a doctor. Um, he's a naturopath. He came up with this theory that what you eat should be based on your blood type. And so different blood types 
evolving in different ways, meaning that you should eat, like, your ancestors of that blood type. That's kind of what I got from it. Pretty much, which is ludicrous when you really think about what that means. <laughs> um, so he infers that people with type A blood... So each blood type has a different way of eating. Mm-hmm. So people with type A blood do best with a vegetarian diet and should stick to, quote, pure, fresh, and organic foods when possible. People with type B blood are advised to eat diets rich in green vegetables, fruit, dairy, eggs, and certain meat, including goat, lamb, mutton, rabbit, and venison. People with type B blood should avoid corn, wheat, buckwheat, lentils, tomatoes, peanuts, sesame seeds, and chicken. People with type O blood are encouraged to eat high-protein foods, focusing on eating meat, vegetables, fruit, and fish, but should limit grains, beans, and legumes. So I think that's more of like a paleo type situation. People with AB blood should eat tofu, dairy, (laughs) leafy greens, and seafood, and should avoid caffeine, alcohol, and all smoked or cured meats. Okay, so first off, general observation, these are all so random. Like, some, you know, some of the foods, like with the type AB, tofu, seafood, green veg, I don't know, it's just very random to me. But all of his justifications are also quackery for any of the reasons why he would make specific recommendations. Uh, let's start with O, the caveman diet. Mm-hmm. So I watched an interview. This is, you know, this was on Regis and Kelly. I watched an oh, interview okay. with him. With the guy, Peter de whatever. Damo. De Adamo. Peter de Adamo. He wrote the book on Eat Right for Your Blood Type. And he was on the, you know, most reputable. <laughs> Source Regis and Kelly. Was Regis still there? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh-huh, okay. uh-huh. Oh, yeah. yeah this was, well yeah, there. we could see it was definitely like an older clip. Okay. Um, when he was talking about it, and he was saying that this is the oldest blood type, which is why we should be eating like our oldest ancestors. And then I also found something else that said A was the oldest known blood type. So who knows what that means. Okay. But I really thought about that, and I was like, that is the stupidest claim. First off, think about right now. Think about the way people are eating right now. What if in 200 years, there's a brand new blood that's developed over time due to whatever genetic mutations and changes in evolution? Are we going to tell people to start eating like somebody in 2020? Like you should be eating more, I don't know, vegetable oils and you should be eating like protein shakes made from sucralose and artificial (laughs) colors because that's what your ancestors ancestors ate like i feel like that just i almost am like offended by his claims because it really just dumbs down the human body and what it's capable of and just says like oh you're an o blood type because our ancestors ate animal protein and you have a higher acidity in your stomach then you should just eat all this animal protein and avoid caffeine and alcohol and yeah you're the picture of health and it just there's no studies that support that Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's so many studies Mm -hmm. that debunk that and any study that even has an inkling that that could be true um are very small old reputable studies uh, unreputable studies and I like on the flip side of that, I was listening to a podcast where a couple people they had a couple people on who had done it and they loved it and they felt like they never felt better. And so they were just kind of like really, really behind this diet. And they're like, this really worked for mm-hmm. me. And it's the only thing that's really worked for me. 
it's just a hell, all of these are different versions mm-hmm. of healthy ways of eating. Yeah. Right? Like, Done. They're yeah. all just different. And, and maybe whatever one you chose for your blood type that worked well for you. For me, the way of eating for type O, which is mostly high-protein foods, very little carbohydrate, does not work well Mm-mm. for me. Like, Mm-mm. I've done it. I've done all the experiments. That does not work good for my body, but I have type O blood. So explain yeah. that, sir. Well, if we're going to bring in the conversation of yoga and bring it full circle, before this podcast, you and I were talking about how yoga really helps you create a more synergistic relationship with your body and how you feel when you eat things because it forces you to slow down and breathe. And I wonder if a lot of people who just jump into diets willy-nilly are just following arbitrary rules and not taking the time to really see if they feel better. Is it a placebo effect? Were they eating the standard American diet before they started this and just a little small change of eating less, I don't know, fast food or sugar makes them feel better? They're not actually dropping into their body and, and, and comparing how they felt before and after with specific data points or observations. So I think that should be a a consideration point for anyone who starts any new way of eating is, are you really listening to your body or are you feeling what you think you're supposed to feel based on somebody with doctor in front of their name's claims? Well, in all of these diets, um, emphasize fruits and vegetables. Yes. So literally, it's like, like the one positive. Are we all going to feel better when we emphasize fruits and vegetables, getting fresh foods and getting the best types of meats yeah. and all of the like. Yeah, they're just in general healthy recommendations. I love there was this um, this study that I read where they were like testing it, testing like different people with their blood types doing the diets, and in the end they were like everyone is so much healthier. But it had nothing to do with <laughs> yes. their blood types. Like, we put these people on this one and yes. these people on this one. And, like, all one. of their markers improved. And they have better cholesterol levels and blood sugar levels. And they all lost weight. And it had absolutely nothing to do with bl- what blood type they were. Was that the one from the Journal of Academy Nutrition and Dietetics? Yes. Literally. Mm-hmm. I, they mm-hmm. Yeah, they ate a plant-based diet. And everything was better, but it had nothing to do with the blood type. It was mm-hmm. just like, oh, maybe you should. Oh, and they attended educational classes about nutrition. So, mm-hmm. literally, like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what it was you don't have to bend over backwards and follow these ridiculous rules to feel better and get positive not only weight changes but cardio metabolic changes either you know my favorite one was uh the type b claims <clears throat> so the type b diet blood type b diet was the one that allowed people to have dairy so it had the most dairy compared to other diets that's what i found okay okay so i was reading somewhere where um people who have type b should be eating more of the dairy so i was thinking i was like what is a counterclaim i could make to this so i started thinking about lactose intolerance because i hear from so many caucasian women and especially asian populations Mm -hmm. that they have a dairy intolerance Mm -hmm. and we have a lot of studies that show that asian populations and caucasian women don't do as well with processing lactose and so I saw a study that's a few different stats from stats website, statista.com. A quarter of Asians have B-positive blood, so 25%. 
But then lactose intolerance in adulthood is most prevalent in East Asian descent with 70 to 100% of people affected in these communities. And I saw another one that showed that 90 to 100% of adults in East Asia could have lactose intolerance. So that's just me thinking like, well, if a quarter of Asian people have type B blood, should we really be recommending they eat more dairy if other (laughs) studies are showing that they have higher intakes of lactose? And the answer is they need to listen to their body and see what happens when they eat lactose. They need to be an individual, but not an individual just based on your blood type, an individual based on everything that's Mm -hmm. going on in your body. And I trust the studies that show over and over again that they're just higher lactose. and There's just less lactase enzyme production in these populations for whatever reason. It's it's because it's not a huge part of their diet. So their body doesn't have to produce the lactase enzyme Mm -hmm. because they're not consuming a lot of dairy. So it would be... moot point for their body to consume this or to produce this enzyme that doesn't need just imagine you have a client come in who is half chinese let's say (laughs) and is very in tune with their cultural eating habits that's big part of their life imagine recommending based on their blood type to eat more dairy yeah like let's throw some cow's milk on our cereal in the morning like let's make a protein shake with whey protein right forget about your throw some cheese on your sammy like no yeah yeah like (laughs) absurd so i thought that was just another and then that one was really random too wasn't that the one that said to eat more rabbit yeah, so it was all these animals that are like like goats, venison, like wild Mountain? game, like yeah, lots of I, I don't know what the claim was behind that. But I think like what drives me insane is like just because you have a best-selling book, it's like people will believe what you have to say. Like just because you can write a book and then sell it. Like we know so little about nutrition that we're willing to believe whatever because mm-hmm. somebody is explaining it in a book mm-hmm. but scientifically it makes no sense it makes no sense Mm-mm. and then when the studies are done they completely debunk it yeah. and yet i still get this question all the time like, what do you think about the blood type diet yeah i think that is bullshit mm-hmm. why doesn't everybody know this i have a theory okay i have a theory i have a theory that we are all little optimists on the inside (laughs) we are all hopeful little optimists that never give up which i think is kind of a beautiful sentiment to humankind right imagine this you want to get healthier for whatever reason in whatever form or shape matters to you and you hear someone who you're in your brain after all these years you've had the idea that you can trust doctors or people that call themselves doctors you have all this evidence based on your own personal experience to support that doctors are trustworthy okay this doctor shares with you something that anyone can do it's as simple as looking at your blood type and that little optimist in you says oh here's a very trustworthy benevolent person who i can only assume is honest based on all the things i understand about doctors telling me that this could help cure this problem that is keeping me up at night that's causing me so much pain that's hurting my family that's hurting my life i'm going to try it because what if Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of a beautiful thing. But then at the same time, you also have to remember that you can't trust everyone. Not everyone has the best intentions. Unfortunately, that's true. But lucky enough for you, you have access to Google these days and you have the ability to do background checks and do your own research and read studies and trust science 
and make your own decision from there. So it's not like you're living in the, you know, stone ages where you're just going to believe anybody that gets up on a rock and makes a claim. Like, you have the power to double check. Yeah. And I guess the downside is, too, that even with the studies that are out there, like, a lot of times with nutrition studies, you Mm -hmm. can kind of flip them whatever way you want to flip them to prove your claim. And so, yeah, it, it is a hard thing for just the layman person to do that research and read those studies and come to those same conclusions but that's why you should listen to our podcast (laughs) you can trust no one but us (laughs) yeah exactly i think that's the thing too where um the studies can get hard to navigate they can get overwhelming especially if you're not trained to read research you also have to look at who's funding things and who what kind of studies they are so going to reputable sources going to experts in the field doing your you know, the reason why we're experts is so that other people don't have to be experts in nutrition, just like there's experts in financial planning and whatever. So people should do their research on us to conclude that we're experts, talk to us, listen to our podcast, and see what happens and come to us for recommendations. And if, you know, same same with anything, really. In general, if it's something that I don't know in the nutrition world, I will Google it and then put registered dietitian after Mm -hmm. it because then I know what's going to come up as something from Mm -hmm. a dietitian and I'm going to trust that person Mm -hmm. over any naturopath or whatever Mm -hmm. else is out there. And most of the time you'll get a really well-researched article or at least an interview or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you're not sure, look at another registered dietitian and see if claims are overlapping. Yeah, I don't think we need to, like, beat a dead horse, but the blood type diet is stupid. It's so stupid. Yeah, I mean, I was... The AB one, that was random. One thing I wanted to make a note about that one was it said to avoid cured meats. Uh, One of the things he indicated was that avoiding cured meats, the purpose of that is to limit your risk of cancer because people with AB apparently have lower um, acid in their stomach. But... We can also see from really strong studies that high intakes of nitrites, which are found in processed cured meats, all across the board can increase your risk for certain gastric cancers and I believe thyroid cancers. So (laughs) it's not just a B blood type. This doesn't mean that somebody with O who's eating all this animal protein should just, you know, double up on pastrami sandwiches. It's the nitrite and that's a very, very supported uh, nutrition finding right and same thing with alcohol it's just people with yeah. ab blood should avoid alcohol it's like well if you're eating a bunch of processed meat yeah. and drinking a ton you're probably not gonna feel awesome so like yeah stop doing that you're probably gonna feel better it's yeah. not because you have ab blood just because yeah it's because <laughs> you're human yeah if you're having like gastric you know acid <laughs> issues and heartburn and it's because you you're drinking all this beer all the time (laughs) yeah so overall i mean i don't have much else to say about this except for that i think i mean this might sound a little extreme but i feel like people in the medical space who make these kinds of claims are not only just offensive to nutrition science like how could you just simplify the body and its ability to utilize nutrients to something as generic as your blood type and your stomach acidity? Like I don't think it takes into account like, oh, your body produces enzymes to break down certain nutrients and it has the power to do that. Or it can create, you know, natural antibodies for certain foods that you're saying your blood type would inhibit. That's just too simple. And I find that a little bit offensive. And then the fact that you wrote a book about it feels a little bit predatory to me yeah agreed so would we recommend the blood type diet we would not nope not even to vampires (laughs) 
All right, let's wrap it up. Wait, we got to do our healthy or not. Oh, what do we have? What's today? I wanted to do this one because it's coming around the New Year time when this is released. Is it eggnog? Oh, my God. Can we talk? (laughs) No, but can we talk about eggnog? Let's do eggnog on the next one. What's this one? So this is a personal antidote. So I'm single. I'm out there. I'm on the dating apps. I had the most funny conversation with a man from the dating app about eggnog, and we got into a fight about it, and I want to hear listeners and people who follow us on Instagram's thoughts on this. I think eggnog is repulsive. Why would you... Okay, so, like, why would you add egg yolk to this drink? I believe that people who like eggnog grew up in households where people drank eggnog. I don't think you just start drinking eggnog (laughs) unless you grew up around it, and he's, like... He was appalled that I didn't like eggnog. He thought it was God's gift to green earth. What is your take? It's like hot yoga. You either love it or you hate it. Mm. I'm in the hate it camp. Yeah. Especially, like, if you're going to make me an alcoholic drink, I don't want it to be creamy. That's disgusting. I'm not, like, a white Russian Bailey's, like, creamy alcohol just grosses me out. But I think those people who do like that creamy alcohol, like the mudslides and all that kind of stuff, like, that's their jam and they love mm. it and i did grow up in a house where people drank eggnog and i don't like it okay I'm so, not gonna tell but i that. think that no but i think that could go either way i think you could grow up in a household mm. that likes it and you choose not to like it but mm. if all of a sudden one day at 22 you're like here's some eggnog i don't really think many people would be like yes yeah amazing uh, it's kind of like like horchata like you had to grow up in yeah. like drinking that you don't just start drinking something like that it's like you leave the religion (laughs) or you stick with it or no one just randomly picks it up when they're yeah i i I would agree with that point of view i will say that bailey's in coffee is just like creamer and coffee for me and Mm, i could do that not a fan I would say eggnog is not healthy. If anybody's curious, <laughs> it's, it's literally sugar and fat and in, in high concentrations. The healthier not I was thinking about doing would be weighing yourself daily. Is oh. it a mentally healthy thing to do or a mentally unhealthy thing to do? Oh, depends on the person. As we always do. I love this segment because it's so polarizing and then we always start every oh. answer with, it depends on the person. Okay, here I'll say who it would be healthy for and then maybe you could say who it's unhealthy for. Okay. So I think it'd be healthy for someone who is not triggered by little fluctuations and can wholeheartedly say that if the scale goes up a little bit or goes down a little bit, they don't dictate their eating habits or their mood based on it. It could be healthy for somebody to track trends throughout long periods of time. So over three months, tracking daily and seeing the average change in your weight, whether, you know, for whatever reason... That could be healthy if you know yourself and you're not the kind of person who's going to say, forget this, screw this, because you fluctuated up one pound or two pounds, even three, four, five pounds. Yeah, I think it's probably pretty rare. Like this person is pretty rare. Like I have some and they're mostly guys and they're (laughs) mostly in those analytic fields like engineers or cpas like people that like to deal with numbers and charts and graphs and things like that that have a pretty structured life a pretty structured diet a pretty structured exercise routine and it's just another part of that life routine that they have 
you also have to know, like, if they miss that for the day, is it really throwing them into a tizzy? Mm. And if so, I'm going to tell them to put the scale away just to challenge them yep. because I don't want them to have to be, like, married to that every single day. But if it's the type of person that's like, yeah, I could, if I forget or I went on vacation for two weeks, it's not a big deal, but mm. I'll, like, keep doing it when I get home because I get up, I go to the bathroom, and then I get on the scale. It's just a thing that I do. Mm. Fine. I think that person is rare. Um... I think you have to ask yourself what your relationship with the scale mm-hmm. is and how does that make you feel just like you would a relationship with a person. Mm-hmm. So if spending more time with that person makes you feel like shit about yourself, mm-hmm. think about your scale that way. If yeah. the more time you spend with your, sc- your scale, the more shitty you feel, then it's time to put that away. Yeah. Because I think for anybody, anybody that we work with, their goal is always to be happier, yep. to be more comfortable, be more confident. I've never had a client who that wasn't part of their goals. And you don't find that by looking at a scale mm. and trying to find that that number that you're looking for. Like you don't get that from a scale. You just don't. Um, so more often than not, I will have people put it away so they can tune in more to the other cues their body's mm. trying to tell them because the scale may be telling you one thing and your body is telling you another. But if you don't hang on to what your body's saying and just kind of get through that scale part of it, then you'll never kind of get to your your goal of working with your body how you want. I liked your comparison with like a relationship with the scale. Mm -hmm. What you described is almost like the scale is like this narcissist gaslighter, (laughs) right? Like if the highs are high, like, oh, I dropped the pound Mm -hmm. and you find yourself really excited about that. That's not a good relationship scale either. (laughs) If the next time it either stays the same and stays stable or goes up a little bit, you freak out and panic and the lows are low. Mm -hmm. Like that would not be a healthy relationship with the scale. That wouldn't be a healthy relationship with a person either. So yeah, I would agree. You know, if you react to the scale in an eccentric way whether it's positive or negative take a break i also don't think it's right for everybody to throw the scale away because i think people can especially at this time in december throw their head in the sand and act like an ostrich mm-hmm. and act like whatever they do doesn't matter mm-hmm. and that gives them an excuse to do that is be like yeah. i don't get i don't get on the scale during december it's like it's still freaking happening yeah. like whether you're getting on the scale or not whatever you're doing is happening mm-hmm. to your body just because you're trying to close your mm-hmm. eyes and act like it's not like yeah not getting it's on the scale happen. helps you to put your head in the sand and not realize it so yeah i don't i don't think there's a one answer Mm-mm. for this <laughs> i would say always no matter what you're doing using the scale or not use other measurements for tracking whether it's a numerical measurement or whether it's something that you're experiencing on the inside if it's your energy if it's your body confidence it's how you're feeling about yourself if it's your sleep if it's your skin health i don't know whatever matters to you you know track something else measure something else over time whether you're using numbers or not with it yep agreed cool well guys we'll be interested into hearing your thoughts on today's podcast uh, especially your eggnog thoughts <laughs> help me iron that out for the record i'm not speaking to that man anymore many of those t- conversations are short-lived <laughs> and i can't raise my future children in an eggnog house are you kidding me um and don't forget that if you found this episode helpful every month we do a drawing for free mm-hmm. coffee if you share the podcast and it's super duper easy a monkey could do it you just have to screenshot this episode of the podcast tag us on your Instagram stories or if you post it on Facebook or I even see it on LinkedIn 
and you'll get entered to win a drawing for the first of the month. You can enter a million times if you want to. So if you want to share every single <laughs> podcast episode we've ever done and tag us at nutrition.awareness, you will get hundreds of entries. And if you leave a review on Apple, screenshot it and tag us on Instagram stories, we'll give you five bonus entries. Just make sure we get that from you directly, whether it's in a DM or tagged on your stories, because we won't know who you are if you just leave the review and don't tell us. So share it, win free coffee, win, win. We will catch you guys on the next episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. And if you did find it helpful and want to share it with the whole world, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram in your stories at nutrition.awareness so we can connect with you. To get notified about the next episode of Nutrition Awareness, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And to create your own personalized nutrition plan with us, be sure to schedule your virtual or in-person consultation on our website, www.orlandodietitian.com. Now get out there, fuel up, and live your healthiest life. We'll see you on the next episode.